Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. The podcast awakens this week. We get the we we complete the journey to the Force Awakens because we've seen the Force Awakens multiple times. Some of us more than others, and some of us have actually consumed the audiobook and other things too. So we'll be bringing all that to you in this discussion. Joining me on this immense, momentous occasion is one Mr. Alex Duwehi. Alex, how's it been? I can't believe we're here. It's It's been a long journey, right? Didn't feel like we'd make it sometime, but we're here. But we're here. We saw it, and I have so much to say. Indeed. And ladies and gentlemen, as I tweeted out, this is coming out a little bit later than usual, because some... Some people need a little more time to process and a little more time to reflect, which is good because distance makes the heart grow fonder. Without further ado, let's get into our entertaining thoughts for this week with Star Wars The Force Awakens. Alex, I know you have a lot to say, so go ahead and go. I, I don't even know where to begin. It's a I, monster. I, it, I, I don't know. How, how do you want to tackle this? I mean, do we want to start at the very beginning? Do we want to... Just, just go through the movie because I have. There's so many unanswered questions. So let's talk about again. Full spoilers. So if you haven't seen The Force Awakens, oh yeah, turn it off. Yeah, stop turn now. It it's, right it's now. made at to this point estimated 238 million on the opening weekend. Oh. So that means a lot of people have seen it <laughs> multiple times, even. But if you haven't seen it, go ahead and see it. But I think we would both recommend that you see this movie. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Where it falls in our rankings, we'll get to later. But mm-hmm. first, spoiler warning. Alex, talk about the characters first. Then okay. Let's go with new characters, then we'll go to the old. New characters. Uh, so we have Finn, right? We see him. Actually, let's start with let's start with Poe Dameron because we see him first, right? We we know him as they say in the scrolling credits that he's Leia's quote most daring pilot. So we know that he is like supposedly the best pilot in the galaxy, taking over Anakin's role and then maybe Han Solo's role later in the you know, galaxy. He de- he demonstrates that pretty well with uh, his flying skills yeah. later on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, um, and that was a really cool scene, by the way. Um, but we see Poe. We see he's the most daring pilot, and he is the master of BB-8. Okay, and he's on he's on planet of Jakku, mm-hmm. and he's talking to Lauren Santeca, I believe, is his Max name. Max von Sydow's character. Yeah, and. That's he's a big mystery right now, mm-hmm. right? Because some of the things that he says, he's very in tune with the Force. He's very uh, aware that the Jedi need to exist to have balance in the universe. And he refers to when uh, Poe Dameron talks about you know General Organa. He says to you, she's a general, but to me, she's royalty. So he's known her for years, ever since she was a princess. Which leads maybe to me he, leave. He's from Alderaan. Maybe he hails from Alderaan. Yes, exactly. Um, but he also has a very long history with Kylo Ren's character, who shows up and he says, I know who you were before Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I'm just kind of going chronologically uh, okay. throughout the movie, because that's just how my brain is processing it right now. But he's a big, he's a big character that I want answer to. You know, how does he know all this stuff? Who was he? Maybe, he's, maybe this Lauren Santeca is a different name than who he went by before. Um, and why does he have the final piece to Luke's map? Yeah, why did Luke give him that piece, or how did he or acquire it? how did it? he acquire it? And we'll get into Luke's map a little bit later, but, I mean, just, just the way that the movie starts off, right, we see 
the huge ship cover the planet with its shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Then we see the strike team go down to the uh, the battle of uh, the, the Jakku village, right? And then Poe has to escape. He gives the piece to BB-8. BB-8 gets out of there, which I love BB-8. How mm-hmm. cool is BB-8? BB-8's amazing. Right? BB-8's like R2-D2 with chopper in him. You know what bit. I mean? Uh-huh. With uh, The way that you can kind of, uh, even the motions, like a couple times when he turned his head back and then back and forth, mm-hmm. you can kind of understand what he's saying without him ha- actually saying anything. I think that's an improvement over these astromech droids that we've seen in Chopper and we've seen in BB-8 from the original trilogy with R2-D2, right? He had to be translated most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, God, I don't even know where I was. Yeah, so they come down, right, and Phasma's there. Which we don't really get to see a whole lot of her in the battle and in the Jakku village or just in the movie in general. <laughs> um, and basically, Ren knows who Lauren Santeca is. He knows what he has. I don't know how this all came about. How, how do you think this all came about? Of now everybody knows, right when Lauren Santeca is giving this map piece. I'll bet that there was an intercepted piece of transmission that he was there, had the piece, and he was trying to yep. he was trying to contact the resistance and say, "Hey, uh, you know, you need somebody to come and get this because Luke Skywalker." And they're probably listening to all the packet sniffers, and if they hear someone say Skywalker or a Jedi or something, they start yeah. listening, and then they come in and they're yeah. like, gonna storm him and get his piece of their map. Seems like in that day of age, even though it's you know a long time ago. Uh, they would be more careful about. They would be more careful about the words that they say, especially since you know we know we don't know yet, but they had to know how big this first order really is. Um, so well, they didn't. So I get the impression that they did not know how big the first order was, how how threatening they were, because when Poe is on that ship, he's looking around, he's got this look on his face. That's true. He's impressed by what he sees. That's true. That's true. I have a hard time believing that they built all these, uh, this army and the Starkiller base, which is basically it's a planet. Mm-hmm. Um, a hollowed out planet. Yeah, it's a hollowed out planet. I mean, basically, how can that gone have like gone unseen throughout the galaxy? How, how has no one known about this? How does nobody know where Skywalker is, right? I mean, how does nobody know where Kamino was? And the the galaxy is a big place. They can't be everywhere. I mean, we. In the with our technology in our day and age, mm-hmm. we can't we can look at two percent of the sky to see right. what's coming at us. If there's an asteroid or something, mm-hmm. you, even then, with with as big as their technology and nets are, I guarantee that nobody really it, it could have feasibly gone underneath people's nose. Okay, all right, so that's fine. Okay, so no one you know, the galaxy's big, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to pinpoint people. Okay, so that means that if you want to disappear, like Luke wanted to disappear. You can disappear, right? No one can follow you. No one can find you, okay? Why make a map to where you are? Because if you if there is an occasion where you need to be found and you you need to be found, there you, you have to give somebody a way to find you. Without, in, without directly giving someone the right. way to find you. They have to find all these different pieces to find you. But Luke trusts in the Force. Mm-hmm. So if the Force wills it, these pieces will align and come together and someone will come and find him. Then how... I guess my other question then is Ren speaks of the fact that they have the majority of the map, probably the same map that's stored in R2-D2, right? Right. Which I argued R2 got from the same spot when he was on the Death Star. He probably downloaded all that stuff, and he's got that same data that they got. And when Ren says that they have that same data, and BB-8's coming over to try to tell him, hey, what's up with you? You've you've talked to the Empire. You've got this data. R2 starts to kind of come around at that point and say, Mm. oh, I found This is what we're looking for. 
Because you think the the piece of information that BB-8 had was close. That's right. why he woke. No, that that he was in low power mode, right? Right. So think of like your Xbox being in low power yeah. mode, and you say Xbox Downloads on. Downloads updates. Right. Yeah. You say Xbox on, and then it comes on, and it just takes a little bit to kind of boot up. R2 is an old unit. It, he takes a while for his hard drive to spin up. And I everything. thought maybe someone forgot to plug him in. <laughs> he's just been sitting there. They don't realize the cord's been unplugged, something like that. I mean, they, he's just in low power mode, and they put a drape over him. I know. <laughs> disrespectful i mean he's only saved the galaxy like two or three times that's right oh geez but okay so let's assume that all that's true right and the the piece of information that the empire has because this isn't about where luke is hiding the first order this is right the first order has or the empire had originally right in their archives that ren hinted to this isn't about all that this is actually about which whose archives were actually the jedi's archives Originally, right. way back when. Right. Okay. So, but, so they're not. It says that they're looking for Luke Skywalker, right? Because they think that he's where this map is leading them. But really, the map, the data map that they have, is to the very first Jedi Temple. Right. Or so they think that's where it is. Well, that that's what Luke went searching for was that first Jedi Temple. Right. So that's what they're actually looking for. So then, how does Lauren Santeca end up with that piece of information? The will of the force. The will of the force. So he has to have some type of connection, somehow. We that's that's one of the biggest questions that hit me right away. Who is this guy? How does he know so much? How does he have this very important piece that ends? You know, Luke. He knows where Luke is basically, where he can complete the puzzle piece to where Luke is. Leia doesn't know. Han doesn't know. No one knows. But Lauren Santeca knows. Lauren Santeca from Jakku. <laughs> well, he has the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. They they have. R2 has the rest of his, uh, this puzzle in his memory bank. He just needs to find it, recall it, and then allocate yeah. that to what they're actually talking about here. Right. So he got the, the map somehow. It, whether it was from Luke directly, whether it was from somewhere else just along the way, that's a story for another time, right? Mm-hmm. How he actually got that data. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get there eventually. All right. So then we see Kylo Ren. Then we see Kylo Ren come out of his, his ship. Right, mm-hmm. who looks very looks very much like uh, Revan. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we see immediately. We see how developed his force power is when he stops the blaster bullet. Love that. I love that he stops that thing in midair. And I mean, basically, you know, even in the older movies, we saw like when when Dooku went up against Yoda, Yoda had to hold it there with his hand. Right. Mm-hmm. Ren's force abilities are so advanced that. And we see it a couple times in the film. He just goes about his business until he wills it up in his mind for it to continue. Like, we see the whole scene goes on where he kills Lauren Santeca. He orders the villagers, you know, to be executed. He's just walking away, and then the bullet goes. So he has an amazing... I mean, it, it's it's incredible. Uh, that's a new ability. That's a new ability that I don't think Yoda had. I'm sure he had it, but he never showed it to us, right? Mm-hmm. And then we also see him, when he gets Poe on the ship as a prisoner, he can extract information with the Force. We've seen that before. Right. In Rebels. Right. But it's an advanced dark technique, mm-hmm. right? So he's super strong with the Force, okay? Not so much with the lightsaber, though. <laughs> I, I, and and maybe this is what, you know, I, I'm just kind of all over the place, so we'll just kind of keep it clean, right? Well, who, who would have trained him with the lightsaber? Where would he have gotten his training? Luke. 
That's what we're meant to believe, right? So maybe that's why he's not very good with lightsaber because Luke wasn't very Luke, good with lightsaber. Well, yeah. <laughs> Luke kind of just swings haphazardly. Like, <laughs> if I swing enough. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so Kylo Ren, very interesting character. Um, we know that Luke trained him. We know that Luke was training a bunch of young Jedi after the Empire Strike Back, right? We don't know how many. After Return of the Jedi. After Return of the Jedi, right? Which was after Empire Strike Back. So you are correct. I was right in a sense. Um, and then... From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. <laughs> Um, but we uh, we know that Ren turned against the whole Jedi Order, and basically the new Jedi Order, the new whatever, Jedi Order, whatever Luke was training. Yeah. yeah, and basically, I mean, we were assuming that he just slaughtered all the students. Him and it looked like so that was that vision that Ray has, mm-hmm. and it looks like it was him and the Knights of Ren that which slaughtered they could everybody. also have been students, right? Could have been, but they, neither of them had lightsabers, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a re- maybe there's a reason why. Perhaps those Knights of Ren were Force users, or are Force users. We don't know anything about them. And what happened they just them? didn't have lightsabers. Because if you look at the lightsaber that Kylo has, it's kind of cobbled together, right? Yeah. There is a, a book that was released that tells you why his saber looks the way it does. It's a cracked crystal. And so it emits this out, and it's unstable. So right. those actual side things right. serve as cross guards, but actually they're more of a, a vent to release energy so it doesn't explode. Right. So that, that's why his lightsaber is kind of like that. So he's cobbled his lightsaber together. Obviously, Luke didn't share with him how to build a lightsaber because Luke built, light, uh, built his own lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So he probably never progressed to the point of being trained with a lightsaber because he never built one. That's true. It, yeah. Except for this uh, archaic-looking lightsaber that he has. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I'm fine with. That makes sense, right? Um, yeah, I... So so which, which came first? Because there's a lot of speculation. The chicken, the chicken, the chicken comes first. Was it... Kylo or the Knights of Ren? Or were the Knights of Ren born from Kylo? So so here's... We know that Kylo Ren is Ben Solo. Correct. I think that Kylo... or Ben Solo assumes the name Kylo Ren as one of the Knights of Ren. But okay. then he... The Snoke calls him the master of the Knights of Ren, right? Mm-hmm. So at some point, either he formed the Knights of Ren or he was the most strongest of them and led them. Again, we need more about that. Yeah. We need more. Yeah. And as far as from reading the book and everything else, it's not in there, any details on the Knights of Ren. But we don't know if what we saw there was in the future or in the past, but it looks like it was in the past because of all the dead bodies around, probably being the, the slaughtered Jedi and anybody that was with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that has to be, that was one question that I wanted answered. That had to have been the turning point that sent Luke into exile. Oh, definitely. Right. If it wasn't, I mean... The fact that he brought all these Jedi together and then wasn't able to stop the slaughter, mm-hmm. he's probably he probably feels worthless. Why is he doing this? He should just go away. The galaxy would be better without him. So why wasn't he able to stop the slaughter? It seems like somebody who he hasn't trained very much, not even to the point with a lightsaber, he should have been able to stop. Could he have, though? I mean, maybe, maybe he is... Maybe Ben was stronger in the Force than him. And he has Snoke influencing him in the background. Mm-hmm. So the dark side could be stronger in a way. And maybe he, maybe to stop this, he would have had to rely on the dark side to do it, honestly. And being, being that he fought Vader and the Emperor and threw away the dark side, he gave up. True. He probably gave up again because he probably, maybe he had the opportunity to kill Ren, but, was, but didn't. That's possible. I guess that's that's very possible, right? Um, 
Yeah, I so many questions. Okay, let's just uh, so that's that, that's yeah, the beauty of this, right? Is that there are so many questions that we will eventually get answers to. This is laying the framework for this next generation of Star Wars fans because we were talking to someone before this, right? In 1977, they watched the first Star Wars movie. They had a lot of questions. In 1980, they saw The Empire Strike. They had more questions. Well, we I don't never know. had that because when, we had the complete story. Well, when A New Hope came out, I don't think originally in 1977 well, I mean, it was, questions. It was designated to, to be a, a a trilogy, though. Well, it was it always developed into a trilogy. It was always like a twelve-part story that right. that he had visioned out, right? The Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, the next in line, and then a resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. So, when you look at it as, you know, in in 1977, you had questions. I could see the questions being like, well, who was Darth Vader? Who was Anakin Skywalker? Mm-hmm. Who was Luke's parents? Same questions that we have now about Rey. You know. How did the Empire come to be? What was the dark time? What were these Clone Wars? Right. There were a lot of questions that could have come from that. We just never really asked them because we had the complete story. You know, we had four, five, and six by the time that we actually were able to consume them. We never had to wait for this. One of the things that people are... I mean, even with the prequels, we didn't have to wait for anything. We knew what the end game was. Right. We knew it would have to happen. Right. One of the things that people are complaining about now, which is not a valid complaint, is that there are so many questions that aren't answered. They're gonna be answered eventually. Oh, I don't mind that there's not a lot of that. There's a lot of questions. The reason I'm asking them is because you do a lot of like, you know, reading, listening to the audiobook, so you probably catch a lot of things that most people don't. I mean, especially the viewers that just see the movies on screen. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot more information behind that that you can allude to our to me and our viewers. You might be able to answer some of these questions. Well, possibly. Right. So like, okay, so one question that appears to be a plot hole in the story is when Poe and Finn escape, they go down, they get shot, their TIE fighter crashes. Poe wakes up, uh, Finn wakes up, Poe's nowhere to be found, he grabs his jacket, and then the TIE fighter is just basically consumed by the sand. Mm-hmm. Okay? Where's Poe? So in the film, he says he was thrown off and woke up later and you were gone. Everything was gone. Okay. That's what they said in the movie. In the book, it actually spans a little more on that. And he was also thrown away. He looked for, for you know, uh, Finn and the TIE fighter, but he couldn't find him. And then as he was walking through, he saw a, a speeder come by. And okay. so he, he hopped on the speeder. He took him on to, uh, to the spaceport and then got off planet. Okay. So I guess... If we're, you know, removing the fact that it's a desert and you're thrown in the middle of a desert and the ship is consumed, the only thing that should be left is a person in the middle of a desert should be relatively easy to spot. Not necessarily. Let's move past that. Look at this desert. This desert was wavy, man. Right, but not where the TIE fighter crashed. (laughs) It was. There there were dunes all around. Okay. And if if you're coming from from a planet and you are thrown out, who knows where or mm-hmm. when, you could be, you know, a kilometer away from the crash site. And if you're if you're Finn, you're assuming that he just died in front of you. And now you're just looking for self-preservation to maybe mm-hmm. help maybe complete his mission if you see that little droid rolling around. You know, there's, there's a lot to do because the last thing that you heard from this guy that you want to honor because he was a cool guy yeah. is about his droid. Right. And which you happen to see in the uh, in the cantina, not cantina, the spaceport. Right. Okay. So 
that's fine. He was not able to, to find Poe, okay? But let's not forget that the original reason that Poe and Finn ended up on Jakku, rather, they could have just taken the TIE Fighter, gone into to, uh, light speed, and gotten out of that system, right? But instead, he chose to go down to Jakku because he needs to find BB-8, because BB-8 has that missing piece that he's looking for. Mm-hmm. So I guess a plot hole is... He goes down there, yeah, he crashed, yeah, he was thrown from the, the TIE fighter or whatever, but he gets up, and he looks around for a little bit, and he leaves. Well, Why is he not pursuing BB-8? So this wasn't brought out in the book either, I don't think, or maybe it was, I just can't remember the this particular thing, but he heard someone say that she was with a girl that got on the Falcon and left. Mm-hmm. So then he was going to go off-world to try to find that. So maybe he, he heard that interception but, but how would he have because, known that bb-8 is even with the girl because everybody was talking about it at the spaceport the everybody droid. was looking for the droid yeah and so the resistance is coming there looking for him and then he can overhear this banter about it got on that junky ship and flew off gotcha so then he goes back to the resistance because maybe they'll find their way back there mm-hmm. and eventually ends up being right sure okay all right so let's move on ray Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ray. She's an awesome character, by the way. Oh. I love that character. And you called it before, right? You said the the story's gonna it, it's gonna be about Ray. It's all gonna be about Ray, and this movie just basically confirms that, right? Mm-hmm. When we see her, she starts out as a scavenger. She's scavenging an old star destroyer. I love that. Looks so cool, by the way. Some mm-hmm. of those shots and seeing her down like um, just playing with the rebel helmet mm-hmm. uh, at the foot of an ATAT. She lived in the ATAT. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. I, I mean, loved it. We still don't know what happened on Jakku. So apparently there's a book that I haven't read yet called Lost Stars that culminates in the Battle of Jakku, which if you look at Battlefront, which released the Jakku DLC, mm-hmm. it was like the final, uh, the Imperials re- retreated there because there was a, um, a manufacturing facility there for something. I think it was like ships or okay. vehicles or something. There was a manufacturing facility there, and then the the rebels were going to do one final hit to take out this structure, and that was this big battle, the Battle of Jakku. Okay. That's from what I ascertained from all the little synopsis I've read. I haven't read Lost Stars yet to confirm that, but I think that's what it will lead to. Okay. All right, so we see Ray. She's a scavenger, right? We see Jakku. It looks pretty cool. We see that she's starving. Jakku is tattooing point two. Pretty much. Right? I mean, it's in a different system, obviously, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we also see that she's starving. We see that she is a good-hearted person, Mm -hmm. right? She chooses not to sell BB-8 for the food, the much-needed food that she needs, because she... Interesting, that transaction went differently in the book, too. Oh, really? Yeah. So she turns BB-8 off and negotiates to get 100 portions, and he's going to give it to her. And she about takes it and then has a change of heart and turns BB-8 on and tries to get out of there. So why does she have a change of heart? Because she didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. Like, it didn't feel right to her to do that. Because what he said, she asked him, uh, whatever that traitor was, um, what are you going to do with him? Why is he worth so much? He's like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. The resistance is looking for him and they'll pay heavily, heftily yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, her innately wanting to be part of the resistance and not the First Order, right? Does she know that at that point, though, when she's negotiating for the 100 portions or whatever? In the book, she finds out that the First Order is looking for BB-8 after she negotiates the 100 portions, and BB-8 is turned off. 
But she doesn't in the movie, though. Mm-mm. In the movie, she just has a change of heart. So do you think that's a good moral, or do you think that's the force? She's listening to the force. It could be either way. But I think it's because she is always kind of portrayed as the moral north of everything. She's the polar opposite of Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is steeped in darkness. She is steeped in light. She's chilling out, with, like you said, with the X-Wing helmet, and she's got all this resistance or rebel stuff in her her little AT-AT there. So she wants to be part of that. She's like Luke. Yeah. She wants to get off the planet, but she can't because... And we don't know exactly the reasons behind why she's there. We don't know who put her there. We know that from that flashback that that junker guy that gives out the portions was holding on to her when she said, don't leave me. You know, right. he was the one holding on to her, her hand. But we don't know who or why or when she was put there. Obviously, she was very young. Right. It looked like she was five or so. So that's why she's afraid to leave Jakku, even though she kind of wants to. Right. You can tell that she wants to, to be able to just not worry about scavenging and doing all this. And it feels like she's almost a slave because when she's doing the thing, she kind of takes a little break and looks at other women. And then this little, little Jawa-like guy comes along and like yells at her and she gets back to work. It feels like she's almost a slave. Well, then she looks across and she sees the old woman and that's doing exactly the what same she's thing. Yeah. yeah, that's what she's going to be in the future and she doesn't want to be that. Right. So She has that moment of realization there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so very interesting character. Uh very similar, different, a little bit different, but very similar to Luke at the beginning of A New Hope, right? Where he's stuck on this planet, he wants to get off, and he wants to join the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Imperial Rebels. Imperial Academy. Uh, he wants well, to join the Imperial Academy. <laughs> he, he wants to fight for a cause, right? right? He, unaware that it's, it's a bad cause, but he wants to fight for a cause. She wants to fight for the resistance. She wants to, you know, fight for maybe the people that took her parents. Right. Well, she doesn't know people that took her parents. She thinks her parents are coming back. That's true. She's lying to herself, obviously, because that's that's revealed later on in the movie that she's lying to herself that they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. But she keeps, you know, ticking down each day that she's waited. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Finn real quick because I think I skipped over him. Right. We see him uh, interact before. We see him actually at the battle of uh, the Jakku village at the very beginning. Um, Not much of a battle. Well, slaughter of Massacre. the Jacker village. Um, you know, one of I don't know if it was his friend or what it was, but you know, Poe shoots him. He goes down and and, and he realizes. Well, we find out that this is his first battle that he's in mm-hmm. as a stormtrooper, and he kind of realizes this is legit. This is going down. You know, people are dying, and you know, we see the blood on the face. And they committed no atrocity that made them come down and. Right, just you know, raid the village. Right, just based on information that they may or may not have had, mm-hmm. which we assume is an intercepted transmission, right? And I assume that they put the blood on his face, right, to mark him as a stormtrooper to right. distinguish right. from everything else. Symbolism as well as this is him yeah. and everybody else is done. Exactly. Guys. But uh, we see his reluctance to go through with their cause down there. Because he is a strong-willed person as well, he doesn't feel it's right. Mm-hmm. And w- I, I love the shot when she says, you know, on my mark, fire, and you see all the stormtroopers around him shooting, and he's the and he's only one not. that's not shooting. Like, his shoulders are even hung down low. Yeah. Like, the body acting in that he was able to give inside that stormtrooper outfit was really good. Mm-hmm. And then we also see when Kylo Ren's ro- walking back to a ship, we see him look over. What kind of feeling do you think he's getting 
off of Finn. Nonconformity. He he understands that there's a conflict. He senses the conflict. Why doesn't he do anything about it? Because Ren has his own conflict. Plus, Ren's not a military guy anyway. Yeah. It's not his. Hux is in. Hux and Phasma are in command of this battalion. They're just with him on this mission. Yeah. Like Ren is there. They're accompanying him. It's not his place to do any sort of judgment or anything on mm-hmm. those troopers. Yeah. All right, so we see Finn. He gets back on the ship. He's distraught, basically. He's, you know, hyperventilating, kind of having an attack. He takes his helmet off. Phasma tells him to put it back on. Mm-hmm. That's basically the climax of her role in the movie. So interesting uh, little tidbit there. In the book, it was another trooper asked him about his blaster not firing. And then oh. he's like, did you have a blaster jam? He's like, yeah, all these things are pieces of junk. They're, they bla- They jam up. I'll let the maintenance know. And then that's why Phasma says, I heard. Mm-hmm. In, in the book, she says, I hear your blaster malfunction, submit it for, for inspection. inspection. Yeah. Where in this movie, she just says, submit it for inspection. Mm-hmm. Kind of a little more direct and maybe a little more ominous as to what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's a little more clear-cut as to why. The other trooper reported that the blaster was a, a failure. So, assuming that he submits it for inspection, right? Mm-hmm. Do- doesn't she say later on, in the movie when they find out that it's, you know, FN whatever his number FN is. FN 2187. Yeah, doing all this. Doesn't she say that he was cleared? Like, he, he, he submit for inspection conditioning. Does she does she ever mention that the blaster was, like, submit? It was it was inspected and it was fine? I don't remember that part. If, okay. Because if, when she's talking to Ren or is it Hux? I think and they Hux. asked if he's never had, he's never had any issues before, right. mm-hmm. you know, this is his first offense, even. Mm-hmm. It was his first battle. Of course yeah. it's his first offense. Right. And and I don't know, like, when they're looking at his, like, Stormtrooper profile, mm-hmm. you know, because they have Intergalactic Facebook up there. Mm-hmm. They see... They <laughs> Intergalactic see, MySpace. Yeah. He's, like, posting <laughs> selfies. Hey, guys! Well, we see when he, was, when he was picked to be in the First Order, we see the pictures of him as a baby. They're baby pictures. Right. So these people are... The First Order troopers are taken from their parents at birth and raised to be First Order troopers. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the way Jedi took, you know, baby younglings right. and raised them up to know one thing, only one thing. This is the way to do things, nothing else. So what does that say about General Hux, right? Because Kylo Ren makes a statement in there that says, maybe you should use clones. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, we take them from birth, we train them up. Is there a little bit of a Jedi background there? Not, what do you mean? Not, not in Hux, not, not that he's a Force user, but is there a little bit of a, this is how Jedi used to do it? Because that's what I got from it, that he saw, this is how Jedi raised their warriors, so this is how I'm going to raise mine. So that goes back to, and this is Hux, obviously. Right. That goes back to Supreme Leader Snoke. I believe that he sees how gotcha. the Jedi took their people and they were... They believed righteousness was their course. And Snoke is the supreme leader of the First Order. Mm-hmm. And this is how he wants to do it. He wants to take young people, babies, and raise them up to have no no possibility of questioning what, what is right from wrong. Right. You're, uh, yeah, you're right. Because I think he makes, Hux makes a comment back to Ren and says, do you dare question the supreme, supreme leader? leader. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Funny thing, too. Not funny thing, but yeah. a little Easter egg. FN 2187? 2187 was the cell block that Leia was being held in on the Death Star. 
Oh, okay. There you go. Interesting. That's funny. Also, another little cameo thing before I forget about it. Um, the Jedi mind trick trooper. Yes. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Loved it. That's why he was hilarious. Oh, it was so I good. I knew I recognized like, that I, voice. I recognized the voice, but I didn't realize it until after the movie how yeah. I was, you know, online looking at stuff that that was him. And I just love it how he like he's walking out and then he drops the blaster and everything. That seems amazing. Another little cameo was when Ray picks up the lightsaber and you hear the voices. Yes. Frank Oz did some Yoda dialogue. Mm-hmm. And well, it was actually he recorded for Force Awakens, but they actually used the the dialogue from Empire Strikes Back. I think they kind of blended them together a little did bit. Did they? Yeah. Do and you remember what was said? Because I know, I know. It, I can't recall exactly the dialogue that they used for Yoda, but I do know what they said for the next character. Mm-hmm. Which so Ewan McGregor played Obi Wan in the prequels, came in and did a voice dialogue for Rey. This right. is your first. These are your first steps. Um, but they were able to pull from Alec Guinness saying "afraid." They were able to get Rey from Alec Guinness, who played Obi Wan in the original trilogy. And then these are your first steps they used from Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. So they blended the old and the new together for, for that. That was really cool. Okay, so why did they do that? Why? The, not, what, what's the, what is the meaning behind that? What's the meaning behind Obi-Wan and Yoda? Is, are they speaking to her as the Force through the Force? Or does she have a, some kind of a tie with them? Is, so when you look at that scene, you're seeing the past, you're seeing the future, you're seeing the present, you're seeing all around. You're not just necessarily seeing the lightsaber, what the lightsaber has kind of been around and been through. Right. Because I think, like, from the, the cries of the children that she that draws her to it originally, Right. I mean, that could be assumed, you know, the younglings from episode three, right? Right. That could be that. Very dark to think about that, but Because that was the lightsaber like, that was used to yes, kill them. Exactly. So there's a lot of weight behind this scene that you really need to see it a lot of times because the corridor that she sees is Bespin. From episode five, mm-hmm. the she, you hear Luke yelling "No" in the background, and you, you hear Darth Vader breathing. So I mean, she sees that kind of is exposed to that, which also leads to the question. So you see her as a young person, being you know left on Jakku. Then you see her with Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren, with all the dead bodies around, with her there. I'm assuming that's just a vision of something else that she's not actually a, a place at that. But you also know that. Earlier in the movie, or is it later? Earlier in the movie, when she's being interrogated by Ren, he says, "I see, when you're when you're alone, I see you. You you picture an ocean, and I see mm-hmm. the island. At the very end of the movie, what do you see? She's going in a, a planet that looks like an ocean with islands, and so, that's where Luke is. So is she seeing the future? Or, Possible. Or I mean, obviously she's using the Force somehow, right? It, is there a connection there between her and Luke? Because there seems to be a lot of connection between her and this lightsaber is calling to her. Maybe just like it, you know, it didn't really call to Luke, but you know, it was Luke's. Mm-hmm. Is there some kind of a connection between all this? Because there's a lot of speculation that Ray is going to end up being Luke's daughter. So, that's the question, right? Who is Ray? Mm-hmm. Who is her parents? Who is her mother? Who is her father? Those because she seems to be unbridled force energy. She yep. seems to be so tapped in, even more so than Anakin ever appeared to be, just with what her un- her untrained abilities was able to do and accomplish. Yeah. She was able to push back Kylo Ren, 
she was able to you know, fight him and essentially win. She did win. She would have killed him. I, I guarantee. So another thing in the book, during that battle, lightsaber yeah. battle between her and um, Ben, was no, it's Kylo Ren. Ben is old. Ben. Ben's dead. Okay. Ben's old Ben. <laughs> between her and Kylo Ren, <laughs> was she heard something when he was down there on the ground, and it was Snoke talking in her head, kill him. Oh, really? That's in the book? In the book. Interesting. So you heard that in, she heard that in her head when she, when he was down there and she could have killed him before the ground separated him. Yeah. She heard kill him. Interesting. And they don't do that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Which only confirms what Han was saying to Ren. That Snoke's just going to use you for your power. Right. And he's going to cast you away. Yeah, and then he's going to cast you away. So, um, does this mean that Kylo Ren's not really as much of a... I mean, th- this is... Snoke is very much a Sith. He's a, He's got a very Snoke, dark side connection to the Force. I wouldn't say he's a Sith. I think he is a connected... He's connected to the Force. He's connected to the dark side. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ascribes to the Sith teachings. Because we know Palpatine was adherent to the rule of two right so there could be two things isn't he this though, could be by telling ray to kill kylo that would be adhering to the rule of two why not just have both of them could be or it could be that this is darth plagueis darth there's plagueis a lot of speculation that snoke is plagueis i i personally would love to see him as being like an old outcast sith inquisitor you know um because it's it's brought out that he's very old, like he saw the yes. he saw the empire, growth of the empire and the fall of the empire and all that all those things. Right. So he's older than Palpatine probably would have been. He, his species doesn't look it, it's humanoid, but it doesn't look like a human. I think his holograph is bigger than what he actually is. Yeah, it's probably just to, to appear intimidating. Right. I mean, I he's mean, got this whole room in this base dedicated to his holograph. Yeah. I mean, how I wonder if there's there actually ever been in the same room with him in person or he if he's just appeared Kylo? As, uh if anybody yeah if Kylo or Hux or anybody I'm sure Kylo Ren's been in the same room because he was he was being taught so here's another thing that leads to and th- this could just be uh, reading into the dialogue mm-hmm. is that when Kylo Ren is talking to Ben he's like you're wrong Snoke is wise Darth, Darth Plagueis, Plagueis the, wise. the wise right yeah. so it's interesting. I, I want to know where they go with this character. I'm very interested in Snoke. I don't think there's such a thing in this movie particularly as reading too much into it. Everything is done very purposefully. If there's any movie that pays attention to the, the most subtle detail, something is calling somebody wise, it's done with a purpose. So it could be Darth Plagueis. It could be a Sith Inquisitor. It could be in an old Jedi that turned to the dark side that was around, you know, and maybe got cast away, but I don't know if the timeline would line up. And I don't know anything about him, and this is kind of, this has been disproven in the Clone Wars TV show, but it would be kind of cool if it was Sifo-Dyas. Master (laughs) Sifo-Dyas. Yeah. (laughs) Never got to use his clone army. exactly. (laughs) It's like, maybe I should have used clones. I'll just raise these kids. That's why he has such a hatred towards clones, right? (laughs) So bad memories. <laughs> well, let's move on. We got to talk about the. So we've, we've talked about Finn, Ray. We've talked about Kylo Ren. Talked, talked about, about the Phasma. new characters. We've talked about the new characters. A little bit about Snoke now. 
Let's talk about the return of Chewbacca, Han, Leia, 3PO, okay. R2. So the a really cool part is when they're running, trying to get out of Jakku, Finn, and Rey. Uh-huh. And, he, you know, Finn's like, let's use that ship over there. And it's like, she's like, no, that's a piece of junk, right? <laughs> then her ship, or was it her ship? or Just a ship they were running a for. A ship that the they were going hopper. toward, right? Gets blown up. She's like, okay, the junk's going to have to junk do. Junk it is. And what a cool revealing of the Millennium Falcon, right? So... The second time watching it, did you watch closely? Because when when they spun the camera around, you saw it blurry in the distance. Yeah. When they look at the other ship, and they pan back to it. Oh, I, I didn't that. catch that. No. Yeah. They showed it blurry in the distance yeah. first. They spun through the characters and spun right by the Falcon. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. That's funny. But a very cool reveal of the Millennium Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. I it, questions like you know how would Han have lost the Millennium Falcon? But answered. But oh, you do have an answer. No, it was answered in the, in the I movie. I mean, he lost it to. Uh, Somebody that stole it, right? Somebody stole it from him. Who? Somebody else stole it from him, and then somebody else stole it from that person, and it wound up on Jakku. So, kind of classic Han Solo moment, right? Because that's how he kind of acquired the ship <laughs> in a, in a game. Yeah, he won it. So, you know, kind of a Han Solo moment. I just, I guess, I have a hard time believing that. We don't know the timeline of when it was stolen. Hopefully, not too long. I can't believe that Han would let that his his baby go mm-hmm. that long without you know him having it, but. Well, it's been on Jakku then for years because it's, she says this ship hasn't flown for years. Mm-hmm. So it's probably been there for at least, you know, five to well, ten years. Do you think that it's because it's been there for years or do you think it's because she knows ships and she's kind of looking around going, oh, my God, this hasn't flown in years? No. So in the book, this is kind of clarified again, is that at night when people were away from there, she would kind of sneak aboard these little ships and kind of – yeah act like she's flying them or look at the way things are done kind of understanding the engineering behind how it works because that comes to play later on in the movie when she's like I just bypassed this and that it's very smart very mechanically inclined so she knows that it's been there for a long time because she she goes around and plays on them yeah essentially yeah okay but anyway cool revealing of the ship <laughs> right and then she gets on it we get to see it fly again very cool scene the the and in the trailer, that was Ray flying through the Star Destroyer. I know, and we don't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what a cool scene to see the Millennium Falcon fly through the, the Star Destroyer, crash Star Destroyer. And I think the way that these scenes were shot, especially the, the scenes with the uh, the ships, the space battles and stuff. Did you see it in 3D or 2D both times? I saw it in 3D, uh, 2D all three times. Okay. <laughs> so. so I've only seen it in 3D IMAX the, the times I've seen it, so... <laughs> We're kind of polar opposite. We yeah. can't really describe the difference. But, I mean, even visually, though, in 2D, I can't even imagine 3D, but I'm going to go see it in 3D soon. It was really well done. I would have to say, if you do have a chance to see it in 3D, which is what I've seen it in, uh, it's worth it. For yeah. the for the space battle, I mean, they're actually atmospheric, but for the battles with the Y-Wings versus the TIE Fighters and everything, it just looks really good. It pops really well. The ship flying around mm-hmm. the Falcon, it just looks, it looks really good. Yeah. And, like, there was a part where... Uh, the the Star Destroyer is shown as coming out towards the screen, yeah, and it comes out. And in my theater, I saw people kind of reaching like for it, moving or <laughs> it was hilarious. hilarious. That's funny. So, when did when did people clap in your theater? When when, there were, when were there tears? So, the Lucasfilm logo, the Star Wars yep. on the screen, yep, and then the the next thing I probably was the Falcon. We didn't get any claps at the beginning. It was it was when you the, didn't like Lucasfilm. You didn't get the claps. Lucasfilm was ooh and oh my god, it's starting. And, and you didn't get like that. that. The and then when it when Star Wars came on, that's when people went nuts, uh-huh. right? 
Um, we got the ooze again when they um, showed the Millennium Falcon, and uh-huh. you could hear a couple claps. We got claps for that. Yeah, and then when Han and Chewie came on the screen, yep. it was just chaos. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was roars. ridiculous. Uh-huh. And then we got... We got Claps for when Leia appeared, and then we got laughter when C-3PO appears. We got claps when R2 appears, and BB-8 caused a couple of claps as well, because like and laughs because his whole lighter. Oh thumbs yeah, up thing. BB. Yeah, oh my gosh, BB-8 yeah. is hilarious. Um, we need to talk about him. He's a new character. BB-8's great. BB-8's awesome. I love BB-8. I, it, it's so funny. Like he is just innately hysterical, just because like I, I think one of his funniest moments is when Ray was walking down that corridor in uh, Maz Kanata's place, and you see. She's like looking like down. It's supposed to be a serious moment. I could not stop laughing because you could see BB-8 behind trying to come down the stairs. Uh-huh. He looks down at every step. Uh-huh. And clunk. I love looks that. Down, it was clunk. so good. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. <laughs> and then he does the thumbs up thing. Sometimes when he just looks over, mm-hmm. it looks back, looks over. It's just ugh, they did such a good job on BB-8. Um, we got some ooze at R2 again. You mm-hmm. know, I, I heard a couple little kids going oh, R2. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, didn't get any claps for Leia. It's surprising. Yeah, I mean, we, I, we got. I heard a few uh, older women like go aww. And so that scene, that scene was so good. Yes. Because they come together, they're on the screen. Han and Leia are together on the screen, and the Han and Leia theme is playing in the background. Mm-hmm. It's just such a perfect moment, and then. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Again. It's Han Solo. <laughs> again, very Empire Strikes Back, right? Right. Um, and, you know, I, it's sweet. You see Chewie come over and give her a hug. Yes. And, you know, it's been a while, mm-hmm. you know, before. But even the interaction between Luke, uh, between Han and Leia is just perfect. <laughs> she's, she's like, he's like, he changed her hair. Same jacket. <laughs> That's right. No, different jacket. No, different jacket. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. So, at the when they are on Starkiller Base, Han and everybody, yeah, and he's got the he's changing jackets. Did they change the color of the jacket? Was was it brown one time and then like blue the next? I don't know. I think they did. I because I think they were playing with. I guess I didn't really. <laughs> I think they were playing that as a cameo or a callback to uh, the Empire Strikes Back as well. Okay. Because in that he was in. In two different film types, it was it looked blue or it looked brown one time, and I think that they were playing with that because he goes in, he takes his jacket off, and then he puts it back on when Chewie hands it to him. And he kind of gives him a weird, weird look. I think it was brown and blue. Like I, I, I don't I, I don't know. It just looked like it was. Oh, that's funny. I, I didn't. And uh... the acting between Harrison and Chewbacca, yeah, still spot on. Yep. And the banter back and forth was so good, especially on when you first see them and they're talking about. You know, no, I mean, what did they let you down? You let me down twice. When was the second time? Yeah, and Chewie's like, yep. Like, or, or, uh, I want to talk my way out of it. Uh, always talk my way out of it. Yes, I do. Every time. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. That that was my most happy thing was seeing Han Solo on the screen. Yep. Still got it as Han Solo. He was perfect Yeah. as Han Solo And we again. see how, you know, how awesome he still is a couple times when he was shooting his blaster. He didn't even look. Pew, pew. Pop right off to the side. Mm-hmm. He just—he still got it. And I love how he takes the bowcaster from Chewbacca. He's like, yeah. I like this. Thing. I like this thing. <laughs> it's so, so good, dude. So, so that brings me to a sad point in the movie, right? 
So they make the decision to kill off Han Solo here. When did you know it was going to happen? When Ray, Finn, and Chewie when they're were all looking there. on the bridge. So as soon as that scene started... And I kind of had a feeling when Han and Chewie split off, and they were like, you know, he was like, I'll meet you right back here. Mm-hmm. I knew one of them was going to get it. As soon as that scene started and Kylo Ren went out there, I knew it was over. Because echoing in my head the entire time was Leia saying to Han, if you see our yep. boy, bring him back. She gave Han death sentence. Yeah. I, I mean, he kind of had a pause when he saw him before you Leia. Could, you could feel the mental, should I, should I, what, what should I do? He, he might have done it himself mm-hmm. anyway. But you so definitely don't put because, that on Leia. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't say anything the first time you saw her, him. It was a different setting, though, right? It wasn't just them two. Mm-hmm. He was around his troops. He had Ray. There was a battle going on. So he may have done it anyway. Um, so this is why I, I, I had tickets, to, you know, you know, I had tickets to go see the 8 o'clock showing and then the t- You had seats ready for you. I had seats ready. Thank you for saving those, by the way. <laughs> Um, the minute that Han Solo died, I could not enjoy the rest of the movie, and I did not want to go see it a second time that night. When they I did it... I was absolutely... Ups- it was, I, I was, was destroyed. I was crushed. It's Han Solo. You, you knew somebody was probably going to die in this movie, right? No! I, I had no. an expectation... That was the speculation, but they speculate that every time. Someone's going to die. Who's going to die? I had the expectation that somebody was going to die. And it felt so perfect up to that point. But the way that they decided to write him out is right. It's natural. It's not that he goes out fighting. He goes out you know, for some purpose he doesn't believe in. This is his son. Yeah. He believes in his son. Yeah. He believes that there is good in him and that... He's not the stupid Kylo Ren that he puts the mask on for. He's his son, Ben. Mm-hmm. And while that scene is crushing, there, the interaction and the dialogue, again, reading into what's said and what is shown, further than what we may actually be supposed to, he says, will you help me? I don't think I have the power to do what I need to do. Will you help me? And Han's like, absolutely anything. He puts out his lightsaber, Right. There's a struggle between the two of them. Is Kylo Ren trying to kill himself at that point? Or is he trying to kill Han? Does Han sacrifice himself because he realizes that for him to come out of this darkness, this has to happen. He has to be gone. If Han sacrifices himself because there there is that struggle, next time you watch it, watch for that struggle between the two of them with a lightsaber. I I saw it shaking in terms of I don't know if it was like if it was a push one way or the other. You could see there it's shaking in terms of just maybe just nerves. Like he knows what be. he has to do because he says, "I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it." And I mean, Han, he doesn't look surprised. I think he does. Does he? I I, th- I thought he did. He kind of looks like he looks like. Well, this is the end. I'm with my son, but, but this is the end. Your theory makes sense. Because he puts his hand on his face. Right. He puts his hand on his face, and then he falls down to his death. The way that he was written out is, when I first saw it, like, I didn't cry, but I felt like I really wanted to. But But it was so well done. Doesn't Kylo say thank you? He does. He says thank you. Is that like in a, 
arrogant way, though? Like, no. I gotcha, thank you, I gotcha. I don't think so. Okay. The way the and way that line is delivered, no. It's it's a would... father to a son thanking the father for helping him when he knew that he's the only person that could. So after that, it, even the darkest person, why does he immediately go after Ren and Ray and Finn? Well, he knows who she is. He knows who she is. Okay. You think? Oh, absolutely, because in the book, it alludes to, uh, it is you, or something like that, at one point. I think during the inter- mm. interrogation. Yeah, and at the, at the beginning of the movie, towards the beginning when he said, when the, the guy is describing, and there was a girl that helped him. Now, that's yeah. when he loses it and grabs right. the guy. He knows who she is. Okay. So he's going after her. Not to kill her. He doesn't care about Finn. He'll to kill recruit Finn. recruit her. Yeah, he wants to recruit her. He wants her to... That's why he takes his mask off when he's talking with her. So she's got a bloodline. Something. He knows who this person is. He knows who Ray is. They have a history that Ray doesn't know. Maybe her mind was wiped. Brother and sister. You see, that was my initial thought that it might have been brother and sister too. But the way that... Because think about it. The Millennium Falcon, this was my initial... My my thought process through this was that Ray is actually, you know, the, the, the daughter, right? And Han and Leia don't talk about her because they lost her. You know what I mean? She literally was lost. The you would have thought, Falcon... though, that something would have been said by one of them about Jakku and a girl. I feel like there should have been something... There would have been something said between the two of them. Now, unless they want to hold that and reveal it all in the next movie... Because we have to find out in the next movie who she is. Yeah. Well, it's very intentional. We don't know Finn's last name. I mean, we don't know where Finn comes well, from. FN2187, he's, he, was, he doesn't have parents for all intents and purposes. He was just born and taken. So you don't think there's anything going to come he's, of that? He's a Calrissian, I guarantee. Calrissian? Oh, <laughs> he could be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, where was Lando in these movies? He's being a man of business. That was good. <laughs> all right, but anyway, i, I got to keep talking about, like, Ray and... and She's going to be somebody. She's going to either be Luke's daughter or Han and Leia's daughter. It's going to be one of those two. I don't think it can be any other. If you're going to make Kylo Ren Han Solo's son, Rey is somebody even more important. And I think Rey's going to end up being a Skywalker. And so, that's why I think Ren wants her. So at the very last minute you know, of the movie where we see Rey and Luke, yeah. do you think the next words off of his lips are Rey? Just automatically. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> or do you think it's... I mean, Ray isn't going to... Ray is probably not her real name, right? She probably assumed that name. She was probably named something else. Like, you know, when she was growing up, maybe she saw Ray somewhere and she liked that name and she kept it for herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe her name is Jaina. Wouldn't it be amazing if her name was Jaina? I wish, that was my one th- wish, was that instead of Ben, his name was Jason in this Jason. movie. Because from the EU, Jason and Jaina were twins. They were Han and Leia's daughter and son. Jason went bad. Ben sounds better. Well, but why would they name him Ben? Ben? Obi-Wan? Well, Obi-Wan, yeah. Ben had more of an impact on Luke's life, right? Well, Leia, ben helped Leia, though. I mean, he was their only hope. I mean, he's the reason why they were able to come. Mm-hmm. He fought with her father in the Clone Wars. She knows that that history be, behind him. Right. 
And I guess if you think about it, there was a, a lot of good moments between Obi Wan, between Ben Kenobi and Han. You know, who's the more foolish? The fool is who follows him. Right. You know, there was a lot of good inter- interplay there. And if there is a force sensitive son, why not name him after Ben? Mm-hmm. It makes sense, actually. But it could have been either way. It doesn't so in, mean in that the your EU, theory is. It, it doesn't mean that they couldn't be still. Right. You know, just because they weren't named that way. But here's the reason why. So I. This is the important part. In the expanded universe, Luke Skywalker has a son and names him Ben. So, in a way, the EU lives on in some aspects, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. Maybe it was just more practical to have Luke and Leia, or a Luke. <laughs> this is gonna sound wrong now. Han and Leia have a son or have a child than Luke have a child. It's more practical to think that they would have had a child than how would Luke have had a child? Well, he met somebody, you know, they got along and you know how things happen. <laughs> yeah, out on the middle of the out on the island. He's training. So here's my theory maybe. If it is Luke's daughter, he met a force sensitive trained her the force sensitive person, a woman alongside other people and they they built the scene together. Right. They have the child. Kylo Ren comes and kills them all, including the mother of Ray, right. Ray's mother. Right. Ray and Luke get away, or Luke thinks Ray is dead, and somebody else comes in and takes her away. So, the look that we see on Luke's face at the very end. What is your interpretation of the look? There is so much emotion, and so much yep. acting done in that visual cue on his face. Yep. Because he sees her, he sees the lightsaber. Does he know her? When That's he the question. Her. He knows the lightsaber for sure, I guarantee that. Absolutely, he knows the lightsaber. But more than anything else, I know that because there's somebody there, because his lightsaber is there, the Force is calling this to happen. He has to answer He's calling. Call. It's calling him back, right. right? And that's what I kind of see on his face is like the little bit of reluctance. Like, He's like, it, it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's been secluded for how no, who knows how long. He's vanished. Yeah. He's he's been on this Jedi Temple. Hopefully, he's learned everything he can. But yeah. now the Force is coming back to him, and it says it's time for you to either train the next train the next Jedi, mm-hmm. or you have to come back and fight Snoke or put an end to this. And the Jedi have to be back in the galaxy. There has to be balance. You have to come back. Right. And how cool how cool would it be if I mean. I almost like it better if she's Han and Leia's son. Or daughter. Uh, daughter. <laughs> God, so many people going on in my head. I mean, so she is stronger in the Force. Absolutely. Than because I think it comes more naturally to her. Right. Do you think that's indicative of maybe she has more of a Skywalker gene in her? Well, they were both Skywalkers. Well, yeah, but one of them sucks. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I think that my theory with, it is Luke's daughter. And there was a, it was a it was a Jedi or Force sensitive mother. Midi chlorians aside, they may not necessarily be in only lineage of blood, right? It could mm. be anybody. How it could be a Jedi, but that lends to be being stronger than Kylo Ren because if both of her parents are Force sensitive, she has more of that ineptity in her, yeah. and Kylo Ren only has one Force sensitive parent. He is strong. For having just Leia being his parent, but his dad wasn't a Force user. Right. And that's probably part of the reason why there's a little bit of a, an angstiness to him. And he got his anger from Vader. Right. Because they say they're, they're too much of his Vader in him. I love, the, I love the humor that was written into this movie, though. 
mm-hmm. right? Aside from Han and, and, and Chewie, like even Kylo Ren has some pretty funny lines where he's you know he's he's slashing away. We see the stormtroopers physical, out there. Definitely physical humor. Yeah, physical humor, right? We see the stormtroopers just kind of like okay, let's yeah they walk down, turn around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he's like, anything else? <laughs> I love it. That was one thing that was definitely lacking from the last three movies that were released. Okay, right? before we've talked about impressions on Leia. What I expected. Glad to see her back. Yes. Man, she smoked a lot between Return of the Jedi and now. <sighs> but the play she, between her and Han were still there. Definitely, the impact, the delivery was was good. And her feeling Han's death, yeah, was was good. I and mean, it was obviously a callback too to you know Yoda feeling the yeah. death of all the Jedi. But their close connection feels that was a good scene, well acted on her end. So let's talk about this lightsaber fight. Okay. okay. Let's talk about the lightsaber. The journey of the lightsaber, really. That's yeah. a character. Why the did lights- Maz Kanata have Luke's? That's a story for another time. We'll get that hopefully sure. eventually. And we know what happened with Kylo Ren's lightsaber, how it came to be. Right. So with this lightsaber, it, you know, it, and I called this that it was a fake out, that he is not the Jedi. It's not destined for him. He's giving it to Ren, but he's using it in the meantime because he has no blaster, right? Mm-hmm. So he uses it and has that melee combat with the the stormtrooper guy. I think that's to show us that stormtroopers have combat just, you know, blasters, yes, but also melee combat. Because he comes at, and he lo- he loses that fight, and then yeah. Han saves him. But I, I, I find it hard to believe that he beats Ren. Like, I would have just figured Ren lays waste to him real quick. He does beat him. I mean, Ren does beat Finn. Mm-hmm. The lightsaber goes off, and then it... It's not as... It's not as one-sided as it should have been. Right. I mean, I was surprised. Because we don't think... There's no reason for to us to suspect that Finn is a Force user. No. Just that he had... He he realizes what he was doing was wrong. There's there's nothing that lends to him being a Force user either. You're right. Mm-hmm. I like the fact when when they're fighting and, like, Rey is kind of coming out of consciousness or into consciousness again, she sees, like, the blurred. You see, yeah. like, the purple... That's kind of created from the red and the yeah. blue, and then you see it again in the fight too. The lightsaber fight was beautifully shot, yeah. well done, primal, visceral, on a an emotional level because of what just happened. Yeah, definitely. It's hard. It was actually hard for me to focus on it the first time because I was just so upset about Han. Yeah, I mean Han's death was very impactful. Yeah, and it was done so tastefully, and perfectly. Quite honestly, you look back at it. There's no better way that he could go out on. I still, trying to redeem his son. I I don't have a problem with Han dying. I don't have a problem with the way that Han died. I have a problem. My biggest problem is that I didn't want him to die. I don't think he should have died then at this point in the in the the new trilogy, at the end of the 7th one. I completely disagree with that. This was a return to Star Wars after 30 years. You don't kill off a character like that in the very first. I disagree. End of five, end of end of eight, or during nine, or something like that. When you have more time to develop the relationship and the struggle uh, between him and his son, and the and the son being conflicted, it makes so much more impact. This just, I don't know. I I felt that it was wrong. Wrong this, timing. It felt misplaced. This was Han trying to be Luke redeeming Vader. Mm-hmm. You know, but we had three movies to see that. But even Anakin, we had three movies to see that. With this though, he was—he knew what he's had. 
he's processed all this before. We we know that he's already processed this, that he was his son. He was sent off with Luke. He became Kylo Ren. That's all already in Han's head. He's already had the time that Luke had to figure things out. Plus, and he knows now, if he sees his son, he has to try. If he doesn't try, then he's not a good father. If he doesn't try, he's letting Snoke have him. If he doesn't try, what's his what's he doing? He doesn't so, want to kill his son. He doesn't want to kill him. No, I, I completely agree with all that, right? I, I just think that the scene should have been shot in a different movie. But let me ask you, so let me ask you a question then. That makes, that adds legitimacy and, you know, that, this makes him one of the most interesting and compelling villains for what he just did. I definitely hate him for what he did. Right. But I still would have, but I would have felt more of his conflict and he, he acted the part very, very well. It, it, just those couple seconds when you can see the conflict on his face. Adam Driver did a great job, right? But I guess my question is, where does Han's death in the Star Wars universe, where does it rank as where does it rank? most impactful death? For us, growing up with Han Solo as being, wanting to play as Han Solo and things like that, it, it was very impactful for me. In the Worst Star Wars universe? Vader's? What? Does it hurt you more than it did when Vader died? Yes. Yoda? Yes. Qui-Gon? Yes. Obi-Wan? Yes. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. They killed off Qui-Gon in the first movie. He doesn't have as impactful death as it should have. Obi-Wan is probably the biggest example. But oh, Qui-Gon's death is more impactful to me than Obi-Wan's death. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because of the Because when did they kill Obi-Wan off? We didn't care about, we didn't know anything about the backstory between Vader and Obi-Wan at that point, right? We knew what he told him in the movie. But Before the dark times, before the empire. Do you know what I mean? We didn't even know who Vader was at that point. No one cared about Obi-Wan's death in A New Hope. I don't want no one to care about Han Solo's death. It it was misplaced. It everybody, should have happened. Everybody cares about Han Solo's death. Yeah. I, everybody cared about Han Solo's death because of the three movies that Not precedes, right? But we don't care about it based on his connection between him and his son. We don't care about it based on what kind of emotion he was feeling for his son. We just hate Kylo Ren because he killed our Han Solo. So how would you have felt if in the crawl it says Han Solo had died in the Millennium Falcon with Chewbacca? What do you mean? He so, still got stabbed, but he died in... in... No, let's say he, he crashed in the Millennium Falcon. Well, they wouldn't kill him off that way. I, like I said, I don't have a problem with the way but that they killed him off. I, I don't think you can kill off Han Solo any other way, right? It had to be something like that, something that he stood for when his guard was down, right? Why it was misplaced. You don't... It put a complete damper on the movie, we didn't have to see, you don't have to kill anybody off. We didn't have to see anything sad. It could have been, they could have done something in a completely different way where he was, you know, maybe he was about to turn Kylo Ren. Maybe Kylo Ren was about to turn and then you hear Snoke in his head. Or, you know, Finn runs in the room and sees Kylo Ren and Harrison Ford, you know, Han Solo, and just assumes it's bad and starts shooting and, you know, it disrupts the moment, right? Maybe he was going to get through to him and then it just gets away. No one had to die. We could have just ended on a good note. And it would have just been a celebration of the return of Star Wars to the screen. And then in the next movie, you set it up to where that's the focus of the movie. You know, him trying to, to get his son back and, you know, I think I can get through to him. And then at the end, you know, I, I think it was just was misplaced. And that's why I didn't see it that night. 
and I'm still a little upset about it. Every time I, so the second time that I saw it, right after that, even though I knew what was going to happen, my heart just started pounding again. I hated it. I, I, I hate when they're there. Even during the second time when I saw it, the whole part of the movie, I'm like, Han Solo only has this much more time. And then there's more scenes. After, you mean, you see Chewbacca's reaction. He shoots yeah. Kylo Ren, and he shoots all these other stormtroopers and just, like, goes yeah. into a rage, blows the place up. He's like, forget this. Yeah. He doesn't even wait to see a Finn and yeah. Ray get out of there. He's just like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm complete my mission. <laughs> you know, it's, even though Chewbacca knows that Kylo Ren is their son, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he knows that, he shoots him. And what this this blast, which has been portrayed to decimate everybody else, yeah. it hurts him a lot, yeah. but it doesn't kill him, obviously. So Chewbacca could have killed him, most likely at that point, but being Han's blood, Han's son, because he has a life debt to Han, I don't think that he would kill his son, but he was very angry at his son. Yeah. So he shot him, which, which lends to why possibly... The lightsaber battle to follow was feasible because he was injured. Like, he showed him bleeding. Right. From the blaster bolt. Right. From he could have still been injured if Finn had broken in there and maybe got a shot off on him and then it disrupted the moment. Han lives. They get off on the Millennium Falcon. I mean, it's possible. We, we want Han to live, obviously. We just, we want I'm that. not being selfish here, I promise. But it lends weight to what happens, it influences Ray's decision to. It, it awakens in her I don't know. the desire to fight Ren. I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that because I think we see throughout the whole movie that she knows that the Force is calling to her. But and she's not really accepting it until the end, when after Han's death, she doesn't accept it. I don't know. And I, So let's say this. If that is their daughter, that adds a whole other dimension to this whole scene. Well, right. Because Han knows that she's around. Well, and Ray that, already thinks of Han as a father figure. We know right. that. And I love that scene where he's like, you know, uh, we're thinking about taking on more crew, you know, someone who yeah. appreciates the fact. It's not going to pay well. I won't be nice. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's very funny. But, like, okay, so here, here's another point. You said if if she is the daughter, right, of Han and Leia, then Kylo would probably know. Ben would probably, Ben Solo would probably know. Right. right. So the scene when he's extracting the information from her and he said, you think of Han as the father you never had, well, he would have disappointed you. That would have been a good time for him to say something. So why doesn't he? I think she's a Skywalker. Like, she's a she's she's Luke's daughter. It's possible. I think she's a Skywalker, not a Solo. It's possible. Oh my gosh, there's so much. There's, there's so, much. so much to talk about this movie, but let's rank the lightsaber fight with other lightsaber fights that we've seen. We kind of already did, did that. Where does this fight land for you? For me, I think it's pretty much tied, if not maybe marginally better, than episode six. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm going to rank it a lot lower than that. Really? Yeah, I... I, my favorite lightsaber battle, are, are you talking just individual battle or like, like I don't know, if I do ep- The episode... culmination, because everything that influences the lightsaber battle for episode six is emotion. This one is emotion and raw, primal. I think it would fall under episode six and episode three. I even put it under episode one. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And probably even under episode five. I definitely think this is is better than episode one's fight, just with the emotion. Well, emotion, yes, right, but the way it's in, filmed, in terms of the lightsaber battle itself, 
it's it's hard to I mean I we, we will yeah. but it's hard to kind of go and compare these because it's a ballet versus a brawl. Yeah. Episode one is a ballet. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. This is emotion driven. Is emotion is just unbridled power versus untrained power. I still think the most emotion-driven fi- fight is six, for sure, right? Followed by Anakin and Obi-Wan and three. It has to be. And then um, maybe this one would fall after it. Really enjoy this fight, personally. I, yeah. It's, I, it's, I, it's, in the, it's in the top tier of fights for me, definitely. I think the best part of the fight for me is when he tried to get the lightsaber and, and it, it went to her. to her. Yeah, that was definitely... And then... And then I think we, we got some oohs and some oh in the theater when we see first girl ever hoisting a lightsaber on the film in the six films. Yes. Episode well, two. Episode has two. Like millions see, of Jedi women. <laughs> first, first character that we see. Main time character that's focused on her, right? We see all the first Jedi. First battle centered around. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's. Don't you dare discount Ahsoka I, either. I'm not discounting Ahsoka in the Clone Wars or anything like that. But on the, on the live action movies, right? It's the first time it's centered around a female hoisting a lightsaber. For the battle. Yeah. It was good. So where would you rank this movie overall? So the first time that I saw it, I ranked it fourth in the seven. I ranked six, then three, then five, then seven. One four two. After seeing it the second time, seeing it again, trying to clarify some things, I, all the unanswered questions are really intriguing to me. I think it was shot really well. Um, you know, there's some things that I didn't like about it. Obviously, Han's death was one of them. I think I'm gonna put it above five now. I think it's gonna be six three five or six three seven five one four two. But it's gonna be really hard. Even if I see it again, I think the more that I see it, I'm gonna like it more than I you know more that I like it. But I think it's going to be hard to overcome those two because those two, for me, definitely not better than Return of the Jedi. It may surpass three if I watch it enough, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Those two for me were the best. So for me, only seeing it a couple times and reading the book so far, I want to see it again. I have planned to see at least twice more, but I place it just below six. So for me, it's number two at this point. Yeah, because I think it's better than episode three, because it has the it has more impact from you. There's no Palpatine in this one. Did you know there is no Palpatine? But with with the impact that we see the the emotion that I felt watching this movie again, it's maybe I'm blinded by nostalgia a little bit. Maybe some of those callbacks, the death of Han, very impactful. It's going to stay with me for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I definitely agree. That's where we'll need to end the conversation today. Oh, I do yeah. want to say that this score was good, not the best. There was, I love Ray's theme. Yeah, um, Ray's theme is good. I, that's really the only piece of music that I like a lot out of the score. Even though the rest sh- is good. It's good. Yeah. Oh, it's John Williams. Yeah. And even though it's short, I really enjoyed the, the Jedi steps. Yeah, that was really good. good. And partly that, I like that scene a lot because of I visualize that entire scene in my head when it's happening. But I do like Ray's theme. Uh, and how it's peppered in through the whole score. But there is no Imperial March. There is no Duel of the Fates. There's no Battle of the Heroes. There's no big big score theme to it. But I think we'll get that again 
It's just they'll find their great, own way. Yeah, it was it was a, a a great score. Not my favorite of the whole saga, but it's it's still fantastic and very yep. listenable. So that being said, oh, and I also really liked the the X wings and the Tie Fighter battles. Those were amazing. Those oh, were really good. I think. I think my favorite part was when Finn's down there on the ground watching, watching Poe, and he's like, that's one hell of a pilot! You uh-huh. know, and, and they hadn't met up at that point either, so that's really fun. Right. So there's a lot that could be said more about this movie. There's tons of discussions that I encourage you, dear listener, to have. Take this, come to Twitter. Let's talk a little more about this. Let's do maybe some direct messages so we don't spoil it for everybody else if we want to go in-depth. But it'll be amazing to really see how this plays out, the answered questions that we'll get with episode 8. We'll probably even get some more hints with episode uh, with Rogue One coming next year. I'm so glad that we got a great movie. I can recommend yes. this to everybody. Go see it. It's fantastic. See it multiple times. It's made $238 million already with opening weekend. It's yeah. crushing every box office record. And it's still holding a 95% plus or Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody that I've seen rates it real well. I think everybody has their few little things that they you know, have in their mind like me that they would have liked to see, maybe some things that irk them a little bit. But let's think about the enormous amount of hype surrounding this movie. There's very little room for them to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's so much room for them to fail. So the fact that they came out and they did this, and you're not getting Star Wars fans up in arms about it. Most mm-hmm. of them are positive reviews. It's an accomplishment. Yep. And I'm sure there's other things that you have, thoughts that you have. I've talked to some people on Twitter. Most of them were pretty positive. There are a couple negative Nellies out there. And I think it was just because that a lot of people view it as a rehash of Episode 4. I don't view it as such. Maybe in another episode of That's Entertaining, we can go into a little more in depth on that. But overall, fantastic movie. Excellent Star Wars return to form. And I'm eagerly anticipating the next film. Alex, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, at D-O-U-E-1-H-1. I am also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Sith Nightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. The show is Entertaining Pod. Next week, we'll be discussing Spaceballs. <laughs> what a twist, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Great way to end up the year. At least I'll get to see a little more of Han, huh? <laughs> kind of. Lone Star. <laughs> So we'll be looking forward to talking that next week. We'll probably have a little more Force Awakens discussions at that point, too, again. But it has been an immense pleasure to go on this journey to the Force Awakens with you, Alex, and with you, dear listener. We hope that you'll continue on with us and see what else we talk about next. But for now, that'll do it. We hope that you have been entertained. Entertained.